It's not true. They're not taking advantage of the workers. I'm, I visited thousands of people and they love the program. They're happy and they want to come back year after year. They want to bring their family members and their cousins and their brothers. Um, it's a good program for them. It really changes their lives. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Well, there's been a lot of controversy around the program that allows farmers to hire people from other countries to work for short stints of time here in the U.S., here in Washington, to harvest crops and do other kinds of specific farm work. Farmers say there's a severe worker shortage, and without this kind of support, without this possibility of hiring workers from elsewhere, they wouldn't be able to continue farming and producing food here in Washington, and that kind of food production would be offshore sent to foreign countries. At the same time, there are folks who say that program is not good. It, it doesn't take good care of workers. Is that true? I wanted to find out. The program is called the H-2A Guest Worker Program. And one of the main accusations that commonly comes up is that the housing for these folks who come here to work isn't good enough, that they live in squalor, I've even heard said. So I wanted to go to one of the facilities where these folks stay while they're here working on farms in Washington State. I visited a farm worker housing facility in Okanagan, Washington, and talked with the manager there, Luis Gatron. He's our guest this week, and he has an incredible story himself of being born in Mexico, coming here to the U.S. He shares that, and he shares what it's like working with with farm workers, how he encourages them, how he makes sure they're well taken care of, that all rules are followed, and how he can help mentor them even with the opportunity that they have here to work and earn income to bring back to their homes and their families in Mexico. It's a great conversation right inside one of the guest worker housing facilities. You're going to enjoy this conversation, and it's eye-opening as far as the truth about the controversial H-2A guest worker program. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and this is documenting my continuing journey all over Washington State to get to know the real people and the real stories, the truth, behind our food grown here in Washington State. Our sponsors are Mana Insurance Group, based here in the town where I grew up in Linden, Washington, but they also have locations in California and Arizona now, and they were started by a classmate of mine. We were in the same class in high school, great guy, and I know many of the people on his team as well. These are awesome folks very trustworthy folks, and that's where I do my insurance stuff. They take very, very good care of me. Mana Insurance Group, check them out online, manainsurancegroup.com. Also, Dairy Farmers of Washington supporting this podcast because it's very much in line with what they do, which is sharing the, the real stories of dairy products and the people producing them here in Washington State, the dairy farmers and the workers. They do so many things along those lines at wadairy.org. I encourage you to check out that website, uh, see all of the different content and interesting stories they have to share and offer and information about the exceptional dairy products that we produce here in Washington State like nowhere else. Again, wadairy.org is the website, and we thank the Dairy Farmers of Washington for supporting the Real Food, Real People podcast. So we are in the housing where folks who are here in Washington working as guest workers actually live That's right. and sleep. Talk about what this facility is. Um, so this is a 160-man facility. Mm. Uh, so there's 10 units, and there's a capacity of 16 people per house. 
Mm. Um, and we have temporary workers that come from Mexico. I would say 90% of them are from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Some other countries, though, too? Um, so far, all of them, Mexico, yeah. um, in this place. So, obviously, there's probably, you know, sheets and stuff on the beds, and this is the, this is their home base while they're, what kind of work are they doing? Yeah, that's correct. Um, the workers will get their, you know, beds, their pillows and pillow, sleeping bag or something yeah. by the farmer. Um, they're out here doing a lot of apple and cherries, at least mm. in this area of Okanagan, Washington. Yeah. A lot of apples and cherries and pears. That's the majority of work that these guys are doing in this area. So what do they do here? What's it normally like here when workers are here? Just guys hanging out and making food and stuff? Yeah, there's there's a lot of action going on, if you can say. Um, you know, there's guys that are playing soccer because we have a soccer field here. Um, they're playing volleyball. A lot of the guys spend a lot of time on the phone outside talking to their kids or their wives. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of people just running around here. So they're, like, calling back home because they're – how long are they usually away from home? Um. The, they're away for at least six months average. Yeah. Um, the, the most you can stay here is about 10 months. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of these contracts are pretty small, so they're here for three months to six months. And talk about what, you know, why do the guys come? What do they say? What What do you hear from oh them? Um, what's the opportunity of a lifetime, really? Yeah. Especially from, you know, living in Mexico, it's just totally different. You don't make as much money as you do here. So yeah. they, the... The difference is there's a lot more money to be made here. Um, it's American yeah. money, and you go yeah. to Mexico, and it's a lot more over there. Um, so they are able to put a bathroom in their house. You know, I've had guys tell me, I just put a bathroom in my house. I've never had a bathroom. You know, things like that, or send the kids to school. Yeah. So, you know, they come with a, a mission or a goal, and mm-hmm. a lot of these guys do make it happen. And they work pretty hard when they're here, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. They work, you know, eight-hour days or more. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on how how the farm operates. Yeah. Um, but they're working long hours, Saturdays, sometimes even Sundays if they're offered, an, you know, extra hours. You know, the guys will take it. The guys don't want to stop working. Yeah. They love to work and make that money because they know it's just a small window where they got to take advantage of this opportunity because um, you just never know what happens the next year. And so this is the H-2A guest worker program. That's right. H2A guest worker program. And you're saying these guys view it as a great opportunity for them. Definitely. They like it. Definitely. I mean, they want their brothers to come. They want their cousins to come. I mean, Mm. they constantly ask me like, hey, can I bring my brother? Can I bring my cousin? I'm like, I'm not the recruiter. I can't do that for you. I mean, I can kind of guide you to, you know, some of the recruiters that you can talk to. But, uh, oh, yeah, they love it. Where's their food come from? I'm just thinking about living in this house. You know, if I were living here, where would I get my food? The grocery store is right next yeah. to this property. So um, is that provided then too as part of the contract? No, they, they buy their own food. They, the housing is provided by them mm-hmm. um, and they have kitchens and refrigerators and they can cook here. Um, they can barbecue outside. You know, sometimes yeah. they, they don't have a barbecue. I have an extra one. I'll let you have it. Yeah. And they usually share it throughout here in the camps. Um, but the store is right next door. They nice. can buy their groceries there and there's a man gate that goes from the store to here. And <laughs> the guy, that's that's the owner of the store loves it. Yeah, nope. for sure. So, yeah, guys get here, what, in what time of year and what happens from there? Um, around May, you know, as early as May, you know, they, they, they're out here uh, starting work. You know, the farm is always working. Yeah. So they can be pruning. They can be doing some just general labor and getting ready for the season. Yeah. Um, it just really depends on what the farmer brings them up here for. 
and how late i mean apple harvest goes until what october something right there's some farmers out here that are still there's still workers here i have yeah. about 45 guys here mm. um uh, so they're still here till about i would say november 15th oh really um they're still picking yeah uh, yeah wow still work to be done before the snow really hits yeah for sure that's kind of what shuts it down oh yeah and well, the cold weather and yeah nobody wants to be working <laughs> <laughs> the ladders and all that stuff yeah. it's just safety yeah and probably no fun for you know if these guys coming here from mexico they're used to a lot warmer climate than than well, we who live here and have lived here our whole lives are they're probably like oh this is really cold they yeah the October was already super cold for these guys. I'm like, yeah. you guys are, it's nothing. Wait till it hits 32 <laughs> yeah. at least. And yeah. they haven't experienced those temperatures. So yeah, they, the weather is definitely different and they feel it. They, yeah. they feel it when it's cold and they're like, that's enough for me. Yeah. I'm going to go home. Even though they're probably on the flip side, a lot more used to hot weather than we are here. Yeah, they're used to hot weather, but, you know, sometimes some of the guys will, are coming from other areas where it's cooler. So mm. this hot weather here in Okanagan, um, yeah. it can get hot, and hot so they're and not used yeah. to it, too. So it just depends on where these guys are coming from in Mexico. Yeah, for sure. So how did you get in, involved with this? And, and and you're the, like, housing manager here? And the, yeah, talk about I, what you do. I I am I work for Waffle. Okay. I'm the director of field services and housing. Mm-hmm. I originally started uh, managing housing just alone and then got to know more about Wafla and what they do and started going to the f- to the fields and talking to the workers. I did have some uh, field work experience. I worked for a farmer in the past. Um, I was in the construction mm. carpenters union. And yeah. then that kind of got me into managing the housing okay. part of it and got the job. And then it just progressed from there. Um uh, the H2A program, learning all about it and the ins and outs and all the regulations. I became the expert in housing. So that's, that's, mm. that's where I'm at right now after six years. How do you learn all of that stuff? Like, it's not like you can go to school for this. You got to right? do a lot of reading, a yeah. lot of reading and things change every year. So you got to stay on top of the regulations with LNI, Department of Health and, you know, all these government agencies that change the regulations constantly. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of reading, um, a lot of brain work. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And what are, like, generally, what are the rules? And, like, even before COVID, there were lots of rules, right? Right. Like, what are the general H2A? Like, you were already talking, like, providing housing. You got to make sure the housing is probably up to certain standards, lots of stuff like that. Yeah, that's correct. Um, So when it it comes to the H2A program, you got to, you have to have certified housing, you know, either by Department of Health, at least for Washington State. Um, Oregon is different. OSHA and... um, so they, they inspect your housing prior to the workers arriving to your housing. So that has to be approved. Yeah. Um, once that's approved, you, you know, you're, you're going to be able to bring your workers and go through a process. Of course, with the H2A program, there's a process, paperwork and all that stuff. Lots of yeah. paperwork. Yeah. Um, and then once they're here, the guys, they, we go over the rules of the housing and yeah. what's expected of them, how to take care of their house, how to, how to clean their house. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, they're guys, you know, Hundred percent of these, most of the times, they're they're guys, and yeah. they're used to the wives doing all that stuff at home. Yeah, so they've never touched the broom, they've <laughs> never touched the mop. So yeah. we we really sit here and you know unit by unit, especially if they're new. Yeah, um, going over how how it's going to be here, and you got to pick up after yourselves. And yeah. when you go home, you're going to help your wife now, and they start laughing because <laughs> we kind of make it a little bit as a joke, you know. Yeah. 
you're gonna go home and help your wife now now you know it's a lot of work <laughs> so we educate them on things to use to clean the house and we provide all that stuff for them because we want them to live in a sanitary place as well and yeah. it's gonna get inspected again during the season so we just stay up to par with that stuff so you have this background in construction and actually working for other like what kind of farming work did you do prior to this i worked for uh, it's the milt mm-hmm. I, so i would i i prune i was pruning in the winter time when i mm. first i got out of high school and i was like ah, i want to go get a job and my yeah. kids like oh I'll, I'll give you a job um little did i know what i wasn't you know yeah. gonna get myself into yeah, it's hard so work. it was hard work you know but i learned some very good work ethics there from that yeah. experience um and i enjoyed that stuff i enjoyed being out there on the farm on the field and the farm with the guys and talking to them and then we slowly kind of got in like oh well i can paint i can do this kind of stuff my dad's been um doing maintenance kind of his whole life so we learned a lot mm-hmm. of things how to change a light bulb and how to paint how to do all kinds of things with housing um and that's kind of where i went from there i was like i'm gonna go join the union in the carpenters union installing yeah. cabinets for hospitals and schools and that's yeah. what and left that after two years yeah went to Wafla. and now you you deal with people. I well, but that. you still have to do the maintenance yes. stuff around here because you're like kind of the one-man show. I am. One-man show here. I run a housing facility, 160-unit facility, and I do a lot of orientations with workers. <laughs> I talk to workers and educate yeah. them um, by the hundreds. Yeah. Uh, talking about how they can take advantage of this opportunity they have because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people out there that you know are have a different agenda, and we're here to help them see the big picture and take yeah. advantage of it, you know, make a plan. What's your goal? Because six months can go by so fast. And yeah. what happened in those six months? What did you do? Yeah. You know, how did you save some money? You know, did you take your kids to school or what yeah. you do? So, so you're them, almost kind of like a mentor coaching person too, just to like, yeah, exactly. Exactly what it is. I, yeah. I just say I go motivate workers and that's yeah. what I do. Motivate workers. And that's awesome. I love it. Um, the guys really, you know, Trust me, after so many years they, that I get to visit these same mm-hmm. people, they realize that, you know, I'm really here for them to right. realize that the opportunity is really important, that they should take care of it. Um, not just be drinking beer all day. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Wasting yeah, their money on that stuff. Time. I think a lot of us could probably use, you know, somebody coming around <laughs> all the time like you to motivate us, yeah. right? Because I think everybody wants to do that, wants yeah. to work and get home and drink beer and it's like, what are you doing with this opportunity? <laughs> For most of us, it's not a six-month stint to make a bunch yeah. of money and go back home. It's all the time, and maybe that's part <laughs> of the struggle. But We're slacking. Yeah. yeah. So where did you grow up? How, I, how did you come to OMAC, Washington? So I was born in Mexico. Okay. So, And I'm actually a DACA recipient. Oh, nice. So yeah. that changes a lot of things for me and i'm like super ambitious and i want to you know get things done mm-hmm. take advantage of my opportunity yeah um so sure. i was three years old and then i went to california i lived there for maybe two three years and then mm-hmm. grew up in everett washington from everett moved over to tri-cities and then waffle was building this site and i've been here for three years now in omac okanagan area mm-hmm. and that's where i'm at so what did your parents do when you were growing up my dad has been um uh, maintenance guy mm-hmm. so he started just maintenance and then he got into supervising the maintenance crew and that's what we, he's done you know apartment complexes and everett washington fixing things and plumbing and grass and mowing the lawns and all that stuff so we caught on to all that stuff yeah um, you're kind of following in his footsteps then 
Yeah. Except he's probably, well, maybe he is mentoring the people too in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, I think even my mother, brothers as well, we kind of follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Um, I got a twin brother. He's an electrician. Okay. He's a master electrician now. So wow. doing big things with the opportunity that we have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what was that like being a, a DACA recipient? And when did that all get figured out? Um, like right out of 2012. So I graduated yeah. in 2010 after, you know, 2012, that system came, that program came in under right. Obama. So we took advantage of it as soon as it, you know, it was available to us. And here we are, 2021, still on it. Yeah. Uh, still taking advantage of the opportunity and yeah. trying to just do the best we can. So what did it feel like to go oh. from... Because there, there's probably, I know if you're in that situation, there's always worry, right? Yeah, you never stop worrying. You really don't. Um, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough. But uh, when we got that opportunity, it just changed our lives. It yeah. really did. Yeah, for the better. And we can rest for two years. And okay, every two years we're thinking about yeah. when are we going to renew our status? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Every two years you got to think about it. It's in the back of your head. And then what? becomes that like that's indefinitely you just keep renewing it unless they change the program or something yeah like we, you can't take it another step beyond that towards like citizenship or yeah anything? not at this point yeah it's not that are unless some law changes it's not yeah you can't would you do that if there was in a heartbeat yeah i, I mean i've been here my whole life why not yeah i don't know anything else better for sure so i would take advantage of it the moment it happens yeah just when daca came out you know we're on it yeah Exactly. Don't mess around. We don't mess around. <laughs> Pretty serious. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was it like here during COVID? Because, you know, the, there's already a lot of logistical challenges with bringing a lot of seasonal workers in, housing them, making sure they're taken care of, and then COVID. It was like, had to have been crazy. It was pretty scary. You know, when we started, um, when COVID hit, people were just panicking everywhere. Even the workers themselves, you know, they're, they're afraid of this virus. Um to the point where they, some of them went home, you know, they were that scared, mm. but not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. So a lot of our, our a lot of our jobs, were, or a lot of our work and our jobs was educate the guys. I was partnering up with the clinics and trying to do outreach for them. So they are educated and they're getting the right information that it's not just from Facebook. Yeah. Telling you, telling you, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. Um, so a lot of regs came out. Some of them, a lot of them didn't make sense, mm. but we had Why? to comply with them. Huh. They're just not doable, especially in, in a housing setting where you got, you know, a 16-man facility and the law says you can only have 15. So where did you get that number from? Yeah. I lost a bed for each unit. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Um, so Yeah, is it any safer if there's 15 or exactly. 16 people? No. No, exactly. No. Um, changing your air filters and keeping a log of that. You know, we went to special filters that are like hospital grade filters and spending that money constantly yeah. recording who changed in because they're going to check yeah. um, plexi barriers in the bathrooms and, mm -hmm. and the, they, those, I don't even know why they're there. Yeah. You know, the guys are going to run into the people each other are here. living together regardless, just like anybody mm -hmm. living in a family or group of people. Yeah. And they're Run sharing the kitchen other. and, yeah, they're, they're going to go to sleep in, in the room and they're going to be there together. They're, they're already a family, but we have to put all these things in there. And it came to the point where we're doing cooking schedules and that, that just doesn't make sense. How can you yeah. tell somebody when they're going to cook and what time they're going to cook? They're already tired from work and then yeah. they got to go home and deal with all these other regulations. And who's in a babysit, you know, 150 guys out here telling them yeah. what to do constantly. We get yeah. to go home and take off our shoes and yeah. 
sit on the couch. They're, they're grown men who would yeah. work hard. They don't want to be treated like a bunch of children. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I don't. What, what did what did the the workers say as this was all happening? Like you said, at first people were scared, but I would imagine there was probably some frustration too. Oh, like, yeah. why do I have to like book a time to cook my food? There were there there was a lot of stress. There was mm. a lot of stress um, when the COVID hit and the regulations started coming out. And you know, we always tell the people that are putting these regulations, like, have you guys thought about the workers? Mm. Have you seen how they are dealing with this stuff? I yeah. mean. But isn't it about protecting them? Isn't that the point of the rules? Well, that's what they say, but they're stressing them out a lot. I mean, it's it's bad. It was a lot of guys were, you know, having some issues with stress um, because of because, what? Because of the regulations and how much mm. pressure there that you know, we were mm. we were telling them what to do constantly every every turn they, you know, they step out the house and you better have your mask on. Yeah. One person at a time in the laundry facility, just in, you know, some examples. Yeah. Um, to the point where, like, now you're going to have to have cooking schedules. And it's like, at what point do these guys get to relax? Yeah. After working eight hours or, you know, nine-hour days. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 100 temperature degree, you know. So right. let them relax. Um, and we they didn't get any of that. They didn't have a break. Yeah. This pandemic was pretty stressful for them, for sure. And then you you mentioned earlier, you know, different agendas and stuff. I know that has been a factor, too particularly with housing and farm workers and things like that, there have been lots of different voices out there saying, making different claims and some people saying that there are big problems and what's going on with that? Yeah, there's, a, there's other groups of individuals that have a different agenda. They're out, they're out to chase the employer. Um, they don't have the, fo- the focus on the worker, I believe. You know, they, they come out here after the pandemic started, you know, they'll show up at your housing you know, four or five months later with a little bag and it's got a, a mask in it and a little piece of paper that tells you just to report to me if you have problems with the housing and mm. you know they question them who cleans your housing i mean just walk in, in this house and you can see this is a nice facility it's mm-hmm. getting taken care of we're following the rules so where were they at when they the pandemic really hit and people were scared workers didn't know what yeah know, so who are these on. people they're from different groups advocacy yes, groups things advocacy like that? groups yeah I'm not sure if i should name them yeah that's okay. We don't need to name names. <laughs> but yeah, but there are people with an agenda trying to do something. Yes. Their goal is something else. It's not for the worker. It's more like, how much can I find this employer if his house is not clean? I mean, again, we go back to when the first workers arrived. A lot of these guys don't know how to clean their house. And so we're teaching them how to clean. But they're there just to find the small things and blow them out of proportion. And instead, they should have been out there the first day when we were running out there. Mm. providing thousands and thousands of masks, supplies, sanitizers, educational posters, mm. partnered up with the clinics to provide that outreach professionally, right? You right. Know, I'm not a doctor, but I wanted to bring somebody that was a nurse or some somebody that can educate them so that it's not just me telling them that this is real. Yeah. Um, hear it from these people first. So you're saying these advocates, these farm worker advocates, weren't anywhere to be found until months later. Yeah. And then they were trying to look for problems? Yeah, exactly. They... They probably showed up in my housing the first year, 2020. I think they showed up four or five months after the pandemic was already existed. You know, people knew about it. What did they say? They show up to your housing. They, they bring these little bags of uh, sanitizer, um, a little mask and paper. Hey, tell me if you're... It, it just provides information like where can you can go play... Where do you want to 
where to go to complain about right. housing problems and stuff like that. Right. So it was not like they talked to them directly because a lot of the times they, they're here when the workers are working. Yeah. So they show up to an empty housing. Yeah. We can definitely help them out, but you know, they do the, they do what they want. Yeah. What did the what did the workers think? What what did the guys say? Well the workers kind of laugh about it. Mm. You know, they hey guys, by the way, these people showed up to your housing and there's stuff hanging on your doors. It's for you guys. I'm not throwing it away. It's for you guys. Do what you guys want with it. Yeah. The guys know better. Mm. They they, they they know who who's helping them out. Yeah. And yeah, that's well because some of these advocacy groups just say, I mean, pandemic or not, they say the H two A guest worker program is a bad thing that people who are in it are stuck. Right. They're, they're, yeah, basically indentured servitude or worse words that they use and say that it's, you know, it's a really bad situation where farmers can get cheap labor and kind of, you know, use and abuse people. Right. Is yeah. How do the workers feel about all of that? And how do they feel about the people saying that? You know, so... Not a lot of the workers know what's really going on. They don't really know to notice that stuff because they're working. Mm. Where are the too people busy. that? Yeah, they're yeah. too busy. And you know, when they do get caught up with some of these groups, um, they like oh, I don't trust those people. I'm like, mm. well, you just be careful what you tell people, you know. So they 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 don't have that much of a presence when they're here. They just mm. show up when they want, and they're usually not there. So, but when we tell the workers, you know, there's all these kinds of advocacy groups. Just be careful what you tell them and always protect your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true. They're not taking advantage of the workers. I'm, I visited thousands of people and they love the program. They're happy and they want to come back year after year. They want to bring their family members and their cousins and their brothers. Um, it's a good program for them. It really changes their lives. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like they really like there aren't problems. Is there an issue with this program? Is there something that needs to be changed? Yeah, the probably all these crazy regulations that keep adding on to this program, but it makes it harder for the employers and everybody to just manage the regulations. And you know, you almost need somebody just strictly for housing that's gonna see what's happening next year, yeah. um, even for field work. So yeah, there is no problems out there like that. There's, you know, some of the issues that you will find is probably management issues, but those things can get fixed. You know, we mm-hmm. can find a solution to those things, but nothing crazy. And you're able to do something about that if you yeah. hear of a thing yeah. that you can say hey what's going on here yeah so part of my job is yeah you know i can support the workers and the farmers and um provide them education on the program and some of the rules we can provide them trainings on uh, manager training or supervisor training or worker training i mean that's what we're here for too you know yeah. we're just trying to be a team we're not trying to you know cause problems like yeah. other agencies that are trying to cause problems or you know little things out of proportion because um, that's not the way it is here is people love it the employers love it you know there's workers working every day nobody's trying to bring workers just to take advantage of them mm. it's just not the case yeah what would uh, the workers who do use the program what would they say if the program was cut back or you know ended entirely what would what would they say or do well you're gonna have a lot of um Families that are going to struggle, really, because, mm. you know, some of these guys have been here for five years and they want to keep coming back and that's their livelihood. So you will have a lot of pushback. People are not going to be happy. So they come here for part of the year, but they're able to, off of that income, live the whole year. Yes. Nice. Oh, yeah. Some of these guys at home are probably making like 20 bucks a day. So just think about really? that. And yeah, 20 bucks a day versus 140 or more in eight hours. Day, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's 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 that there's a big difference. So when you when they lose something like this, it's it's not good. Um, they get used to you know 
bringing this money home every every yeah. year. Yeah. And they're planning for things in their house, building and expanding or ma- building a farm, taking the kids to school. So they want to be here every year. You yeah. know, I've had guys for 10 years or more and they love it. Yeah, because like they have to pay for school in Mexico. They don't have a system like ours where public education is free or how, how does that work? It's just not that great. And, you know, so if they want to, if they want their kids to make more, uh, have a better career. Yeah. Um, they want to send them to, you know, be a doctor or something like that. Right. But even those kind of jobs are still becoming hard to get and they're not well paid. So you still get some guys that are, you know, doctors that are coming up here working. Really? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I've heard of that. Yeah. That some, you know, some highly educated people still come to work because they're like, hey, we can make some money and bring it back home. Yeah, exactly. They, they, the, the, it's, it's how crazy it's over there in Mexico that the yeah. pay, paying somebody for a career job over there is not that great. Mm-hmm. So they come over here and pick apples, for example, and they're making more money. Yeah. What do they think of you? You said that you've been able to build some trust because oh, yeah. they know that you're kind of their advocate. Oh, they... But, like, you're young, you live in America, and they're coming from Mexico, like, they're like, hey... You really know what's up, you know, because they're yeah. they're here to work hard. And, you know, I, I know how that can be trying to fit into that community, like people who do that kind of work. That's a that's a good point, you know. <laughs> kind of tough. I, one of the ways that I fit in with these people, guys, you know, they're my guys, um, is I speak Spanish mm-hmm. fluently. I was born in Mexico. Yeah. And if it becomes tough, you know, these guys are hard to communicate with. I'm like, you know what, you guys, I am really like you guys. I'm a DACA recipient too. I'm here just like you guys on a temporary status. Mm-hmm. And I'm here taking advantage of this program. And I think you should too. So, you know, you open up to them and, you know, it becomes more personal. And over the years, they just, they really see that. I am telling them that what's true and nothing falls. I am who I am. And yeah. they, you got to be really honest with these people or else you, you'll lose respect right away. You know, you have yeah. to know what you're talking about. You can't just go out there and say a bunch of things without really backing it up. Yeah, and you really have to be, you know, fluent in Spanish to do the job that you're doing, obviously do, because you grew up speaking both languages, right? Correct. But, like, for me to do it, <laughs> yeah, you laugh, because yeah, I'd be... I'd be, be tough. I'd be screwed. Yeah, it's going to be tough for you. <laughs> they would, uh, yeah, probably laugh me right out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guys, they, they know when somebody's Spanish is not that great. Mine, mine was... Not the best six years ago, but yeah. after being here for six yeah. years, it's gotten a lot better. But they still say, "Ah, we know you. Your Spanish is a little messed up." But yeah, you know, we 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 still have like a little accent or yeah, something. Yeah, I guess I don't know what it is. They just know. Yeah, but they still they still like to talk to me. The same reason I just know somebody's from Canada or something. <laughs> I can just hear yeah. it, or oh, they're from you know down south or yeah. whatever. Totally. But there's cultural differences too. And that you understand growing up in a family with that cultural background, right? Exactly. Um, did you say agricultural background? No, in that cultural yes. background. Yes, that cultural. There's definitely- in the you know Hispanic culture coming from Mexico. Yes. There, it's a. I think some people misunderstand and apply different ways of thinking from different cultural backgrounds to the Hispanic community that may have different values on things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like hard work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a big deal. It is. Um, there is definitely, you, you know, when you brought the culture differences, especially when they come over here, it's, it's a shock to them as well. And yeah. we're out there helping them out and trying to, you know, this is how you go shopping. This is how you do yeah. this. this is, um, in our culture, there's a lot of horseplay, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you can say. So 
there's a lot of that going on. So we try to say, you guys got to be careful with that stuff because that can be taken really seriously over yeah. here. Yeah. But it's the culture, you know. So yeah. And we know it, and I know it. So we try to, when we're talking to these yeah. guys, we spend about an hour or two. It can be more. Yeah. With, with, when they first arrive on the farm after a week, we visit them and we chit-chat, basically go over all that stuff. And we talk about horseplay and yeah. what to expect. Yeah. And it's going to be cold, <laughs> you guys. And you're going to clean. You're going to mop. And so there's definitely some difference. Welcome to the cold north where we just don't have as much fun or eat as good of food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as what you're used to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you love it. I could tell that you really think this is cool. I love it because, you know, I love talking to people. I love mm. talking to the workers and just overall making sure that they know that they're getting the right information. Yeah. Because uh, there's so many, you know, things online. Even face- Everybody has a phone now. So everybody's yeah. on Facebook getting on to these groups and putting out information that might not be so accurate. So I'm just yeah. like, ah, you guys just be careful with that. And that's the best part is talking to the workers and gaining their trust. And they know that I'm here and that they can always call me. And, you know, they got a question or a concern that we're going to fix it. We're not going to sit here and fight back and forth between the worker and, and the employer. We're just going to fix it and yeah. come to a solution. Because um, overall, that's what we want. Yeah. Everybody to be For happy sure. and continue to work in. What's the coolest story you've ever heard from somebody who got involved in the program? Like I, I know some of them, some folks in the program have pretty amazing stories of, you know, getting the chance to do what they're doing. Um, I mean, some, a lot of the guys, they wait for, you know, there's like a waiting period of six months. Some guys get lucky and it's like eight months, but some guys are three years, four years. So when you talk to them of, you know, how long did you wait for this opportunity? It's like, oh, three or four years. And they're out here just really kicking butt because they know it's the lifetime opportunity. And everybody has a story in the background. So it's hard to choose what is the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, building a house, sending the kids to school, getting, I don't know, you know, medications for some of their relatives that are sick and they can't afford it. Yeah. I mean, it just varies from person to person. But a lot of these guys have a, a good story to tell. And I think they're all good. Yeah. And the program has really just helped thousands of families back in Mexico. It's it's unbelievable what the program has done. And they, we, the program continues to grow. I mean, we're, there's thousands of, you know, workers that are coming from Mexico for a reason. Yeah. You know, there's obviously not enough workers here that are local that are going to do the job anymore. But, you know, they like it and they want to come back. Yeah. And they're not just going for one year. They're coming back for five years, six, seven, ten years. Yeah. Um, and they love it. How do you make sure that, that folks coming from Mexico to work aren't taking a job of somebody who is local here or, or domestic somewhere in the U.S.? Okay, that's a good question. So there's a, there's a, there's a process for that. Um, first, there's a recruiting. There's a certain percentage time frame, like 50% of the contract, where they have to recruit anybody that walks onto the farm. You know, they're qualified and willing to work, then they get to take the job. So it is a domestic worker protection program yeah uh, that is what the program is so it's not like we're they're taking somebody's job it's nobody wants to do this work anymore mm. people got older um their kids are not doing the, the farming anymore and so on and there's bigger operations that are around town that are taking the jobs um so farming is is definitely struggling with workers so you mean like other industries kind yeah. of thing yeah exactly like amazon for yeah. example is building yeah. these big buildings and Close to nurseries, so people are worried of what's going to happen. Is they're going to be paying, you know, twenty five or thirty bucks an hour? What's going to happen to my workers that have been here? Yeah. So that's the biggest worry. That when these big industries come in and 
to a rural farming area that they take those workers, local workers. So a lot of people are concerned about how farm workers are being treated and when wanting to make sure that they're being treated with dignity and being treated and compensated fairly, all that kind of stuff. What's your message to those people who are concerned about that? My message to those people is um, they should go out, visit the guys, the workers, mm-hmm. visit my housing site. Yeah. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that one, but um, <laughs> it's true. You know, like you got to be there and really see what's going on. Um, there's a lot of regulations behind everything. You know, you got L&I that's out there doing outreach too. It's not just workers are just being dropped off at the farm and good luck. Uh, not that's not the case. You got L and I. You got ESD, Employment Security Department. That's got a mm-hmm. team of people that are going to go out there and do outreach. And what we mean by outreach, just go over the general. What are your rights as workers and everything? So besides that, my main focus is that we're motivating them so they can continue working and doing something with this job opportunity they they, they got um, year after year. That's the goal. Um, we have other agencies that do the. You know, this is your rights as workers. We focus more on let's let's take advantage of the opportunity and do good and, you know, respect each other at the housing, respect the farmer's equipment and things like that so they don't get into too trouble. So in your experience and perspective, workers are being taken care of. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's thousands of them that we can talk to and Mm. it just it's they'll tell you themselves, you know. That's why I tell people that they should go out there and see what really is going on in the farm, the housing sites, especially these camp, you know, these housing sites that are, you know, well regulated. They're pretty nice. They got air conditioning, you know, heating, uh, laundry facilities, rec room, soccer field. I mean, at least for my housing site here, we set an example, yeah. and it's it's beautiful. I live on site here with these guys, and I've been, done it for six years, and it's never been a problem. So you're right here too. It's not like right you live across town or anything. You're there here I'm all the here time, twenty four seven, and it's it's a community. Sometimes yeah. I got my goats running around, my chickens <laughs> out here, and they love it. They, yeah. You know, and so I do it for them too. Yeah, just something just, to do. Yeah, something to do because um, when it's when you're out in a rural place, it's hard to do something, right? What are you gonna do yeah. when it's ninety degrees outside? You're not gonna want to go out in the sun again. Yeah. So we provide some of that stuff here. And these are the folks that harvest so much of our food and help grow it right oh yeah and without that how much you know think oh about how much food is produced connected with you and the folks that you manage and the whole crew that's significant oh yeah definitely um i mean we have employers that are as small as four guys mm-hmm. four people that's pretty crazy that they can't find four people to come and do some work on the farm mm-hmm. um so everybody's struggling mm-hmm. and these these workers do a lot of that work and provide a lot of those fruits and vegetables yeah. for everybody. Yeah, how much of that would be farmed here if there weren't people to do the work? Yeah, that's going to be scary. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for what you do, and thank you for taking great care of people, and also because of that, then helping produce food, even though you aren't a farmer, <laughs> you really are part of the food system, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, we're part. Of, we're, we're just another chain link to that, to the you know farming world and agriculture in general we're just you know trying to make everybody survive in this crazy world we're in right now with struggling with workers and just making sure that everybody's on the same page and we're training workers well i mean that's what what we do and there's people out there that can show you that yeah Um, visit those farms and visit those housing sites that's what i would say well thanks for sharing your story with us here too thank you This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 